Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And a grand awakening it is as we move through these beautiful vibrational frequencies and raising the vibration and consciousness in the world. And I'm so delighted today to welcome to the show Susie Miller, who has an absolutely wonderful story to share with us, uh, having written her book, Awesomeism, a new way to understand the diagnosis of autism. Susie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you've been a, a highly skilled pediatric speech pathologist for close to two decades when you had an amazing experience with a four-year-old child who was diagnosed with autism. And you came to a, a breakthrough of understanding and working with children with autism. Tell us what happened and how did it change the focus of your work? Well, um, it happened back in 1999 when I was um, I had a private practice in the state of Maine, and I went to see uh, a new kiddo one day on my caseload, and the child was diagnosed with autism. And I had not I'd not seen very many children diagnosed with autism at that point. Um, I graduated in 1986, and in 1986. When I graduated with my master's, quite frankly, there weren't a whole lot of kids diagnosed with autism, and there wasn't a lot of, you know, training or teaching about that as well. But on this fateful day, when back in 1999, I walked into this daycare center, and there was this beautiful little boy, you know, brown bowl haircut with big brown eyes, and he's rock, walking back and forth in the kitchen, and he's saying, it's the millennium, it's 1999, and I... You know, I'm looking through my speech pathology eyes and the eyes of somebody who had not seen um, very many children diagnosed with autism, and I thought, okay, this is, you know, this is funny kind of a funny behavior, freaky little kid kind of thing. And as I as I was thinking this, this little boy walked over to me and he looked me right in the eye, which is very uncommon for children diagnosed with autism. And when he looked me in the eye, he said, "Master." And when he said master, I, all I remember is not being able to think very clearly other than the fact that 
it was a visceral experience. It was a full body experience. It was like um, nothing I had ever experienced before. And very much that sensation of somebody looking into you. And this child clearly saw something within me that I did not know existed. And I remember thinking, you know, who's the master here? You know, what's going on here? <laughs> and so I took him into um, a room in the back of the daycare center where we were going to work. And, you know, I was taking him away from his friends. He clearly did not want to, to be isolated. Um, and so when we got into the room, um, I thought, I'm just going to give him some time to settle down. So I sat with, on the floor with my back against the door. And as I sat there... I thought, I really was thinking in my head, you know, I'm not exactly sure what to do with him. And as I said that to myself, I noticed that floating above his physical body was what I now know to be the light body. And his light body was the same size, same shape, same outline as his physical body, but was floating up and to the right of his physical body. And there was just a small tail of light, if you will, that came off of his foot, his light body foot, and draped down through the crown, down through the third eye, and into the heart. And so I'm looking at this, and it's the first time I've ever seen anything that is looks like that, and thinking I'm seeing things. And so in my head, I say to myself, I wonder what that is. You know, what am I seeing? At the same time I said that, I heard him, what I know was through telepathy now, I heard inside my own head this little boy's voice, and he said, that's my light body. You're here to help me integrate my light body into my physical body. So this is an actual, this is an actual uh, audible sound. So the telepathy had sound associated with it? This This telepathy that was inside my head, if you will, absolutely sounded like those words. It was like a block of consciousness. Um, it came through as a complete knowing, but it came through in words and in the tenor of his voice, not in mine. Um, and so what was really fascinating to me is, other than the fact that I thought I really needed to just go home and start all over because it was, I was seeing things and hearing things. <laughs> and as a clinical speech pathologist, that's not a really good thing to have happen. So you didn't have any, so you hadn't had any major psychic or spiritual experiences before this? No, I had been interested in metaphysics. I had been interested in um you know I had taken like a a tarot reading course or something like that and I had friends who were attending the Barbara Brennan um School of Light, Hands of Light School. And so I I had you know, information about that kind of stuff, but I had not had any of those kinds of experiences myself. So it was quite a phenomenal, <laughs> life-changing experience. <laughs> yes. I remember walking out of there that day and thinking, you know, thinking my life is never going to be the same. And I, I really, I didn't realize at the moment how accurate that was in every way, shape, and form. Um, because, you know, when you have something that alters your reality on the spot like that, number one, it takes some adjustment time, but also, you know, you were talking about frequency as you were opening the show, your frequency shifts dramatically as well, and therefore everything that's not, no longer resonates with that frequency has a tendency to move on out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So what happened next? 
Um, what happened next is there were all kinds of um, moving out, you know, all kinds of things, you know, in my physical environment that really changed. When I started to see, the first time I saw this little boy, um, my ex-husband was was um, creating a speech pathology office for me in our house so that I could have a private practice in my house. By the time that office was actually constructed, built, ready to ready to go, I never saw one speech pathology client in that office. I had a full-time healing practice. And so that's how quickly things moved. And they moved that quickly um, for no other reason other than I was so amazed and curious about what was happening to me, what I was seeing. I was seeing not only light frequencies related to him and and him attempting to show me both through telepathy and other methods coming to me in dreams how to help him integrate. But at the same time, because my consciousness had shifted pretty dramatically in a small period of time, I also had all kinds of access to um, to guides or um, support systems that I didn't even know existed prior to that. So there was a train there was truly a multidimensional training program and this little boy seemed to head up the whole thing. <laughs> so he he initiated this shift in you but then that continued afterwards. Oh, it, it continues to this day quite frankly. I always I always say that he kind of put the key in the, you know, in the slot and turned it and from that minute forward, I mean, it was like, okay, Susie, it's time to wake up. It's time to know what you're here doing. And, you know, it's time to learn about this integration part or remember it, better said. Um, so, so tell us about that, that, obviously, because that's so important for these children. Tell us about the, the integration of the light body into the physical. Well, one of the... Um, one of the things I learned after working with this little boy, Riley, and then also hundreds of kids that came after him is they would provide me with very specific information through telepathy, through written language, through words when they were, when they had them. But basically what I've heard over and over again is obviously the frequency of the light body is at a high vibrational frequency. It frequent, you know, it's at the frequency of light. The physical body um, is at a denser frequency and for this population, especially because they seem to be coming in at an extremely high frequency, I, I believe that this is their first. This is their first time, if you will, in a physical body. I think this is the first time they've done the human condition kind of thing. So it's it's a challenge to integrate those two. But if you can imagine the density of the physical body. And also think about all the things that might be within the, the confines of the physical body that don't resonate, truly don't resonate with a high vibrational being. And so those two don't go together very well. What I also noticed, though, is that as different parents would say, oh, I, I put my child on this diet and all of a sudden they became very present. Or I did um, a hyperbaric oxygen chamber and my child became very present. 
when I would look at those kinds of things, looking at it from an energetic vantage point, what I was noticing was that the diet was simply raising the vibrational frequency of the physical body so that the physical body and the light body were more of a match. They could dance together um, a little bit more effortlessly. And so it was the same way. Different people, different children had different scenarios. The other thing that was also um, absolutely amazing to me is I remember asking Riley one day, you know, do you know what autism is? What, what's your idea of autism? Telepathically, he said, he said, we live in, he goes, it's like living in two worlds. He said, the real world and the other world. Well, silly me, speech pathologist in my mind, um, I thought the real world was our world. <laughs> and, I said, and I said something to that effect, and he just laughed at me and said, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, we, I live in the real world. He said, I, I come into your world. He said, but your world is an illusion. So, fascinating. Wow, absolutely fascinating. So what did you, what did you do with that, that when he gave you that, that bit of a shot of reality? What did I do with it, you said? Yeah, yeah. How did, that, how did you respond to that? Well, it, you know, it's interesting because what was, I mean, I think that the universe has been, um, always knows what you need when you need it because at the same time I'm hearing these kinds of things, you know, I also have a friend who's going to Barbara Brennan and so I would say, you know, Anne, could you please, uh, this is what I'm seeing or I saw this light body doing this thing, or I saw it integrated in this way or putting together in this way, and she'd go, oh, go to Barbara Brennan's Hands of Light, page 272 or whatever, and you'll see what's happening. Well, that was all well and good until I started seeing things that weren't in the book. <laughs> That's when things got a little bit more <laughs> uncomfortable. Um, and I had to go through a, a learning process but the other thing that was happening, as I said simultaneously, is there was a group of guides that came in, and I look at guides now as just aspects of my higher self, if you will. Um, and I learned a lot about integration through that process as well, because what would happen is a guide would come, and I would see that guide in my mind's eye. I would work with individuals, you know, in my office that was now a healing office. And those guides, if you will, always seemed to be up and in the corners of the room. And so I would kind of watch them and I would hear them and I would know what they wanted me to do with the person that was on the table. This is not unlike children diagnosed with autism who are looking up in the corner of the room, you know, and they're talking to something or seeing something that they're having full communication with. It's just that most of us don't see those things. But in my process, those, um, those support systems, if you will, would come in. They, they taught me um, a bunch of different things. They taught me how to use sound for integration. They t taught me how to use, um, one of them came in and taught me what she said were like laser hands where you move into the physical body and help the physical body adjust to higher frequencies. Um, there was one that came in and taught more of a light language, which she 
um, expressed was simply a right brain technique to bypass some of the left brain's limitations as far as we, what we can and can't do. So there were all kinds of different energies that would come in. What was a little bit disheartening is for a little for a while is that as that skill set was fully remembered within me, then that guide would disappear. And I remember when they started to disappear, you know, this was for a year and a half process, this was kind of like a um, a huge support system as I was not understanding all the things that were happening. And as they started to disappear, you can imagine it's like losing your best friends who are kind of helping you through a situation. But it wasn't until a little while later that I realized that they hadn't disappeared. They simply had gotten fully integrated, and so I didn't need to have that external support. I didn't need to see them outside of myself anymore because it was who I was. Well, Susie, what a, what a realization that was. We're actually coming up to our first break, and we'll continue this absolutely fascinating discussion on our return. It's Bitter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart centered community with Peter Tongue and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Just a reminder to check out my own website, www.petertongue.com for all the exciting things that are happening there at the moment. And also our sponsors for the show, www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, all one word. And tomorrow evening we have a fantastic Ambassadors of Light class where I will be talking about the landscape zodiac, uh, specifically about the features of Gemini, which we are in at the moment the buzzing bees of the mind and how we can bring those to a still point and perhaps enjoy some of the experiences that Susie had when she first uh, got lit up by her little four-year-old uh, autistic child. So Susie, from, from what you're saying, it, it seems to me as if you were integrating your own higher self guides while you were supporting the integration of the children's light bodies. Yeah, it, it's, I, I think that... Um it's very difficult for anybody to 
to teach or to be something that they aren't, right? <laughs> and so that, that process of having to go through my own integration process, that, that part starting about, you know, back in 1999 and then having, um, you know, further integrations. I mean, like I say, it's just been a pretty constant flow of that since then. So, so can you give us a few insights into how you actually did uh, help the children integrate their light bodies into their physical? Yep. The um, first, what I found to be true is just like any other individual, you know, um, we all have a higher aspect of ourselves that knows what we need, what, how we should proceed, those kinds of things. We're simply not very tuned into it for the most part because we're pretty much trained to the left brain. We're not really trained to the right brain. So in in all cases, what I was really taught to do was to ask the child themselves at that higher level of consciousness, ask them what the steps were, and I simply followed the steps. So in Riley's case, in this little boy's case, um, he actually would have me um, physically touch different parts of his body, you know, touch his chest and have the light follow my hand down to his chest, you know, touch, you know, touch his stomach and have the light follow me down to the, his stomach. And much, you know, I didn't know that it, the light would follow the direction, you know, in that way either. But in his case, that was really what he was interested in. He also would show me that there were all kinds of leaks um, in his energy field. This is not so true of children today who are integrating because things have changed a lot, you know, in these last 12 or so years. But in his case, energy was actually leaking out of the physical body um, when we would get it in the physical body, if you will. So there was all kinds of literally patching and, and, and integrating um, in the joint. Um, those kinds of things. He also would ask me to use color and sound. So he asked me one day to bring colored. He said, I want to I be in color. I want to be in the color. And so I had these big, my kids were going to a Waldorf school at the time, so I had these big silks, you know, the red and orange and beautiful silks. And I would bring those, and I would, um, we would cover over, we both get under there like a little tent. And what I understood is that maybe I was showing him cards or something. Maybe I was showing him pictures under this red tent. He would associate the pictures with the color red, and he would integrate the color red and then have all the information that came from those pictures. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So he was... So, again, things that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of as a speech pathologist... But, but he, was, he was asking me to try different things. There were other children who I had one child that I was seeing um, also as his speech pathologist, and he came to me one day and he said, Susie, I want to be fully present. I want to show up and be here in my physical body. And I said, okay, what's that going to look like? What are we going to do? And he took me through a series of steps. And basically what he did is he had he had me pay attention to his cellular structure. He had me pay attention to his neurological process. He had me pay attention to his heart. 
And there would be times during the process, as I'm going through this with him, where I would get nervous. I mean, I'm just, you know, even to this day, sometimes things come in and you kind of go, okay, this is, you know, just when you think you've seen it all. And so anyway, and then he would put his hand, energetic hand in my heart, and my physical heart would stop beating so fast and it would calm down and it would relax and he'd say, okay, now we're going to continue. This particular child took me through a series of steps that only lasted one day and took us probably about maybe even three hours, I think, was the most time that we were working together telepathically, you know, um, bilocating. He was working with me in my room, um, but not in physical form. And so what was interesting during that session is I said to him, I said, I'm a little bit nervous that when I go back to see you as your speech pathologist on Monday, this was happening on a Friday, I'm a little nervous that you're going to be speaking in full sentences and doing all kinds of crazy things. And, you know, I I just didn't want to be called out. You know, I didn't want people to associate anything like that with me. And so interestingly enough, he said, I'll take care of that. And so Sunday afternoon, his mother called me. She canceled the appointment for Monday. And when she canceled the appointment for Monday, it was the first time she had ever not, you know, she had ever canceled an appointment as ever. And what was funny is as I hung up the phone, I hear in my head, I hear him laughing, and he said, I told you I would take care of it. And so I didn't have to see him on Monday. By the time I saw him the following Wednesday, he was using a few words. By the time I saw him the next Monday, more words by the next Wednesday. And this goes on until, you know, he's at 75 words. He's using small sentences. He's coming into his body. His eyes are lighting up. But it's happening over a period of time. And what was fascinating is three months to the day that we had that session, he walked into the clinic and he said, Hello, Susie, I'm here. I'm Wyatt and I'm here is what he said. And I just, I was on my knees. I mean, it, you're, I'm in a flood of tears. And I looked at his mother and I said, what do you make of this? And she said, she said, I feel like he's just been on a long journey and he just finally got here. And I said, I think that too. And most of the time, you know, I tell that story and I, then I have a lot of parents who call me and say, okay, help my child be fully present, be fully here. But when you're talking to the the higher aspects of anybody and what their plan is in the bigger picture, it's not the plan in the bigger picture for everybody to be fully integrated in their physical form right now at the age of three or the age of they, everybody has their path and, and, every, and that needs to be honored. And so can there be information given while we're in that process, absolutely. Can the telepathy be there? Absolutely. But is every child going to fully integrate like this little one did? No, not every one of them. Um, but it has to do with what their plan is. And I think bringing attention to what the bigger plan is, that has a tendency to... Mm, ironically, help that integration process happen a lot faster. So the, the, the integration is a byproduct, but we have awareness now of what's, what's trying to be learned here. 
That's a re- yeah. Thank you for explaining that because that's really really important. We all have our own individual journeys. We have to honour that for sure. So can you can you describe to us how how these children view the world, our world, I guess, or the um, world? Yeah, absolutely. They are. This population in particular is at the very least feeling their way through life. Their sensory systems, you know, are hypersensitive. And they're hypersensitive because they're not thinking their way through life. They are truly right-brained individuals. One of the times that I asked Riley about, um, you know, about why so many children, you know, why do we have so many kids and so many boys, you know, coming that have this diagnosis? And he said, you called for us. He said, you asked for a new way of being in the world. You asked to bring balance. You've been a predominantly left-brained, you know, humanity forever now, and we are bringing a right-brained approach to life to balance that out is basically what the, the crux of it was. And so because they're seeing um, the world through the right brain, they are, they are highly visual they are highly sensory, and so they care much more about how you feel than they care about what you say or what you're doing. And so one of the things that I had to learn, and like all of us, kind of through trial and error, about authenticity, about how important it is to be um, authentic, and especially with this population because they feel, you know, all children to one degree or another feel that discord when you say happy and you mean sad or when you, you know, or when you say do as I say but there's not a do as I do part that's attached with that. This particular population is really good at that. They, they notice that. But this particular population is also um, characteristically nonverbal. So they don't have a way to say, hey, mom, you know, you, you say you're happy, but you're not happy. Or, hey, teacher, you say that, you know, I'm smart, but I hear you think in your head that I'm, I'm not. And, and I, don't, I can't figure those two things out. So this population acts it out. So a lot of times you'll see these children moving energy through their body. They, um, they move energy on all kinds of levels, and they're very sensitive to levels of energy that most people never even consider and most people never even think about. For most of us to walk into a room and kind of to feel that mm, the tenor of the energy in the room is, you know, you, sometimes you can tell if a fight has just happened or if somebody doesn't like you when you walk into the room or if somebody's really excited to see you when you walk in the room. Mm-hmm. You can feel that, you know, for the most part. These kids take that to a much greater um, level. They also see energetically very clearly. And because they do, a lot of times they will be watching the energetic patterns that are associated with what you're trying to communicate or simply your vibrational frequencies, what's going on within you. And that's why you'll have a kid just kind of out of the blue when they have sporadic talking. They'll say, 
I remember having an occupational therapist that worked next to me, and this little boy was looking at her, and he's, he's looking around her. You know, he's not looking at her. And he, then he looks at me, and he said, her baby's going to be a girl. And I, I kind of smiled, and I looked back at the, the therapist, and I said, your baby's going to be a girl. And she said, Susie, I didn't tell anybody yet that I'm pregnant. <laughs> And I said, well, <laughs> that's, but see, this is the piece. I mean, if you're not distracted by, if you're not distracted by the physical world, if you're not distracted by necessarily things that are physical, then you have access to all kinds of information that, um, that most people don't have access to. As an adult in their world, there is no hiding place. Absolutely no hiding. And what is, when I work with parents, what's interesting is, you know, most parents, that's where the frustration comes from. Teachers, therapists, they'll get so frustrated with this population. And they get so frustrated because, you know, all kids can push our buttons. I mean, they, that's, their, that's our gift from them. And they can all push our buttons and show us places within ourselves, but these kids are doing it like, you know, on on steroids. I mean, they're <laughs> they're doing it at a huge. They they can see minute details. They are working energetically all the time because that's quite frankly the world that they live in. And once we begin to understand that, once we begin to start tapping in and communicating with them in these higher frequencies. Then we really get uh, a grasp on what they're trying to show us, what they're trying, what they're talking to us about, what kind of discord they actually see and notice, and then we can come into alignment with ourselves. We can integrate that aspect of ourselves. But if we see it as them poking us and poking us and pushing that button and pushing that button, we have a tendency to just kind of recreate cycles over and over again. Susie, we're coming up to our second break, and uh, I'd love for you to talk about the parents uh, after we return. Okay. Spirit of Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Listening on a higher dimension. 7th Wave Network.
listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Having a fascinating discussion with Susie Miller about autism and perhaps uh, some of the misconceptions, misperceptions we have as adults in the world of these children. Susie, there's been a lot of controversy about the role of vaccinations and autism. What, what have you learned from the kids about that? Well, um, I've had, I have heard from a lot of kids that, yes, that vaccines absolutely play a significant role. And they play a significant role in, um, in increasing what they share with me is that vaccines play a significant role in increasing the lower vibrational frequency, if you will, of the body. It sends the body into chaos, especially for a highly refined vibrational frequency. When you're coming in new and you're coming in a little bit um, disconnected from the body anyway, even in the, in the birth process, if you will, when you go to enter that physical body and it's been injected with something that is fairly dense vibrationally, it has a tendency to send the system into chaos. And so that's where you get the, what I consider the characteristics that people call autism. I believe that these children come to the world with awesomeism, if you will, and some of the, the densities of our human experience create the characteristics of autism. One of the things that is also really important to hear here is because these children are vibrationally sensitive, they're vibrationally sensitive not just to the physical substance that is a vaccination or the, the components, the chemicals, or whatever it is that goes into the, the vaccine, but they are also highly sensitive to the consciousness with which those vaccines are created, the, um, the choices that are made, the, the, the places that they're made. The, um, there is all kinds of vibrational information in anything that's physical, there's all kinds of multidimensional information in that. And so it's not just, um, they're picking it up on all kinds of different levels. Having said that, I've also heard from children that it, I've heard from a lot of children that it was the vaccine that kind of created that separation. Um, when you consider the fact that that most children integrate into their physical bodies, you know, and then are birthed. These children have a tendency to begin the integration process at through gestation and as their birth, and they're not typically fully integrated until about the time they're two or three years old. So without the vaccines, they'd still maybe feel a little different or look a little different up until that age. But with the vaccine, you're, you're hitting them at the time when they're really just attempting to get this light frequency in the physical body. And in that moment, when those vaccines, you know, we get them now, lots of them, um, 
before we're even two. And so there's such a buildup of of a lower vibrational frequency in the body, they simply stay out of the body. They simply don't integrate all the way in. It's also why you hear parents who say, you know, that they detoxified the body or they're, you know, they're working with the physical body and all of a sudden these kids start showing up. It has to do with the toxicity um, in the vaccines and the toxicity on multiple levels, not just um, the physical vaccine itself. That's a great explanation, Susie. Thank you so much. You, you, you mentioned right at the end of the last segment about the parents, and uh, your focus is, is really working with the parents rather than the children. Can you explain why that is? Yes. The, um, the children have always kind of directed me back to the parents, and, of course, you know, kind of conversing with that higher aspect of who they are, they can kind of see the bigger picture. And so... What I found over the years is that as much as I loved working with the kids, I loved being in their energy, when I turned my attention to the parents, when I could help them start to change their perceptual reality around how these children were behaving and what their behaviors actually mean versus what they thought they meant, as I could start kind of moving it over to more of a right brain vantage point versus a left brain vantage point, a lot of times these children without a whole lot of effort started showing up and being much more present um, in their physical bodies. And again, if you're a, a little person and you have no idea that you're a highly energetically sensitive being because that's you know, you just swim in that energy all the time. It's like a fish in water. And and you're looking to your parents or you're looking to your teachers to show you how to integrate that energy. You can imagine that every time the parent says, oh, no, that's not, you know, something's wrong, something's broken, or the teacher says that's not right, you've got to not learn to the right brain, you've got to learn to the left brain, you can see that from a vibrational vantage point looking at that, that information, the child says, well, I'm not going to stay, I'm not going to come down into my body because I don't have this right. I don't know how to do this yet. I'm not sure how to integrate. But when the parent starts to see it from a different vantage point, when the parent starts to get aligned with themselves and to start understanding these things, teachers, parents, therapists, whomever, all of a sudden these children, because they're reading vibrational frequency, they're watching vibrational energy all the time, all of a sudden they go, oh, that's what it looks like to be aligned with yourself. That's what it looks like to be mm, in a state of love versus a state of fear. Um, and the kids have always said that the densest vibrational frequency that they can be in in the body is the frequency of love. Beautiful. Now, you, you, you uh, have just done a little, well, we're doing a bit of a play on words here because you've talked about the kids being fully present in the physical body, um, but one of the key things you're also saying is that we need to be fully present when we're with the children. Just talk about that a little bit. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that this population on a, in a bigger picture is really showing us in some ways our own disconnection with ourselves. I mean, we... We really don't know ourselves very well. We're, we're not, um, we might be in the physical body, 
but we're not aware of ourselves. We're not aware of our feelings. We're not aware of um, why we get tweaked by certain things and why we don't, or if we do get tweaked by certain things, what to actually do with that. We're not, we really don't know us. And so bigger picture, I think they're showing us our disconnection from ourselves. And as we really do support parents and teachers and therapists to to really be connected with them, then all of a sudden you start demonstrating a pattern to a child that is energetically sensitive that makes sense to them. It matters to them. Um, and so it's that's a very important, hugely important part. Now, you have actually a, an awesomeism certification process. Just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the awesomeism certification process, we now have... 16 practitioners. Um, it's just been just about a year now since we started this process. It's a very unique certification, to say the least, because it goes through a little bit about what we were just talking about. Every single person in the certification process has about an 8 to 10 hour mentorship directly with me so that I can really personalize the shifting of that perceptual reality so that I can really take, you know, are you a parent? Are you a therapist? Are you a teacher? Are you somebody who's just interested in these kids and they come to you energetically? So that I can really um, support that process of that perceptual reality, shifting that perceptual reality so that they can see what's going on maybe in a bigger picture. The second part of the certification process is a very detailed balance and alignment or integration and alignment session. That integration and alignment session is all done energetically. It's all done via Skype or phone remotely. Um, but it, it, it basically is taking all the things that the children have taught me over the last, you know, decade or so as far as how do we integrate ourselves back into ourselves, how do we integrate light into form? So there's that session. And then we um, also spend time connecting directly with the children, practicing connecting with the higher aspects of the children, getting information directly from them, you know, asking the right questions, if you will, um, learning how to be in a state of integrity around any given child's path. Um, those kinds of things. So that takes place during an 8 to 10 hour segment of time um, that's scheduled in about two hour blocks. And then there are 12 follow-up calls that are held on Saturdays where all the certified practitioners get on the call. We currently have one guest speaker a month and then the three other Saturdays are really conversations about you know, just different things that are coming up. Um, every certified practitioner is taught about the a program that I created called the Empowered Parent Program, and so it really does allow them some of the supports that they need to have the language, have the information, have the backup, if you will, and also have the their own personal alignment to it so that they can really support other people in a pretty big way. It's, it's really been fun. So if people are interested in that, Susie, where do they go to get that information, and when is your next uh, process beginning? 
Well, the certification process is open really at any time because, like I say, at least for right now, the beginning stages of that, you know, are held via Skype or over the phone, and we schedule that. So you can definitely find more information about that at my website, which is www.suzymiller.com, and that's S-U-Z-Y-M-I-L-L-E-R. And if someone wants to get the, the book, Awesomeism, where would they go to get that? Um, to get Awesomeism, um, you can, best bet is to go through Amazon, um, Amazon.com, um, easiest to get it there. And one other thing that I just wanted to add, Peter, is that in the month of June, um, it, it's the only month I do this, and I do it specifically because the parents um, are, you know, their children are coming home from school, they're interacting and dealing with behaviors on a more constant basis than when their kids are at school. So through the month of June, um, there's a discounted rate for private sessions. And so if that's of interest, um, you can also um, email me directly um, and to get that information. And you can email me at bluestarsusie at gmail.com. Bluestarsusie at gmail.com. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, we're coming up to our final break, and so we'll return with Susie Miller. It's Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. Seventh Wave Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenterJourney.com for more information. Be Extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just a reminder to check out my own website, www.petertung.com. And my sponsor website, myheartcenteredjourney.com. And uh, Susie, we've only got a short segment left. I'd love to hear a little bit about the transformation that you've seen take place in the parents and the adults who have actually taken your certification course. Yeah, um, the actually the certification courses, parents and therapists and teachers and all kinds of people that are working with this this population, but. The, the, I think the most fun for me is to go through the process with somebody, having them working with kids beforehand, and then coming back after the fact and saying, oh, my goodness, 
this child's not the same as they were before. What happened to them while I was gone? <laughs> and I always laugh. I go, it wasn't them. <laughs> it was you. Um, and But I think that that's probably the most exciting part because sometimes, you know, when you, in in anybody's life, when you just see things through different eyes, of course, something different can be shown back to you. If you're expecting disorder, if you're expecting broken, then that's kind of the limitation that you put on it, and so you'll see that over and over again. So I've had several children who, even as I'm, whether it was the Empowered Parent Program or what, even as I'm talking on the phone with their parents, I mean, a perfect one was yesterday. I worked with a person um, during that private session that I offered for June, and she said, my child will never leave the room with me. And it's been three years. And I said, okay. I said, well, when I look energetically, what I see is a very tight spring between your heart and their heart and, and his heart. And I said, it's, you know, like a spring on a car. It's really dense. And I said, so let's play a game. I, and she was a fairly left-brained individual. You know, she said, I need techniques. I need to know. And I said, okay, fine. So you leave him where he is. Just see him where he is. And I said, and, and just in your mind... I want you to just back up. I want you to back up almost like that spring is now a slinky and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I said, and let's just take a couple nice deep breaths and let's kind of look at it. And I want you to go as far as you can go until you feel that heartstring pull. And she said, okay. And so she does it, she does it, she does it. And I'm on the phone with her and all of a sudden I hear her go, oh my goodness. And I, I started to laugh and go, what's up? She goes, my son just got up and walked out of the room. <laughs> and I was like, brilliant. He, he had the space he needed. You know, you have the space that you need. And I said, but I bet you want to go find him, don't you? <laughs> so. Susie, we're almost at the end of the show, and I want to give you a minute to chat about the other major project that you're involved in, which is the New Human Experience Project. Just give us a little taster on that. And I might have to have you back on again to talk about this on another show. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you. Um, the New Human Experience Project is, again, just uh, an evolution of the integration information that I received from the kids. So about a year and a half ago, the kids came and they said, you know, it's really time for grown-ups to understand themselves multidimensionally. It's, it was in 2010, and they really believed that it was the opening of the, a huge potential for us to begin to consciously know ourselves in that way, to align with ourselves, and to kind of have this multidimensional access. And so they, they gave me the title, you know, Start the New Human Experience Project, which I did. And we just had one this morning before this call. And in all honesty, Peter, I don't think I could have ever imagined what would come out of this project and the awareness people that that people would gain from it, and also the collaboration. I mean, this is truly a co-creative process where the higher aspects of everybody are coming in to dance this beautiful dance, and their higher aspects of self also know what needs to take place to get integrated, not just individually, but now more into the collective consciousness, which is what we were working with today. So it... It's really, um, quite frankly, taken turns that I never could have anticipated, um, and it clearly defines for me that 
every single individual um, here right now has a major role to play, and whether they play that consciously or unconsciously, they are still playing it. I mean, their place in the universe would be deeply missed if they weren't here at this particular time. (laughs) Absolutely. Susie, amazingly, we're at the end of our time. I can't believe how fast the show has gone. So people wanting information on the new Human Experience Project, is that the same website, the SusieMiller.com website? Yep, easiest to go just to SusieMiller.com. Well, thank you so much for today. It's been a wonderful show. I feel quite inspired myself, and uh, you've got such an incredibly wonderful way of expressing concepts that are really hard for most of us to understand. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me. And please do return in the not-too-distant future. Okay, I will. So we're coming to the end of the show, obviously, and next week my guest is Finbar Ross, and we'll be talking about the sacred feminine and Christ consciousness and journeys of the sacred feminine in southern France. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tan for Awakening the Conscious Co-Creation. you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring please join host peter tongue for another edition of awakening to conscious creation next wednesday at 3 p.m eastern time noon pacific time on seventh wave network